All right, well, uh, good morning, everyone. Glad that you guys are all here. Welcome to the plant. And uh, my nephews are here today, so give them a high five. EJ and Jesse, they're visiting all the way from Teaneck. So um, we're going to get started today. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about this morning is uh, superheroes. How many of you guys like superheroes? Yeah? All the kids? Yeah, all right. Even some adults, too. Awesome. Very cool, very cool. So when I was a kid, um, there weren't that many superhero movies out because they didn't have like all the, the special effects in the CGI that they have now. Back then, it was kind of like claymation and all these, uh, all these like fake backdrops where you're like, oh, that's no way, that's Metropolis. That's like, a, that's like a model that someone set up. But one of the things you'll notice is that every superhero, in addition to having a strength, they also have a what? A weakness, right? And uh, I have a few pictures here of, a, of superheroes. Uh, the first is Superman, right? You guys all, all know Superman. What's Superman's weakness? <laughs> kryptonite, right? Now, kryptonite is this, uh, is this rock from his uh, home planet of Krypton. And whenever he comes face to face with it, like he dies, like kills him inside. So he has this like physical, uh, physical um, weakness. Now, uh, the next is Batman. Who knows Batman's weakness? So what Batman's weakness is basically the memory of his uh, parents dying. His, his parents uh, were murdered in front of him. And, and ever since then, he's dealt with this psychological uh, drama and, and tension of this fear uh, that was based on this past experience. Next, we have Iron Man. Does anyone know Iron Man's weakness? No? Okay, so water, yeah, it could be water. But uh, he has, uh, according to the comic books, he has like this shrapnel, shrapnel that's stuck in his heart. And if he doesn't have this electromagnetic device, he could die. So he needs to have this thing charged up all the time. So that's his weakness, and he has to live with that. Uh, the next, Daredevil, all right? That one's easy. Does anyone know Daredevil's weakness? He's blind, right? So Daredevil, he can't see anything. He's blind. So he has to use his other senses to uh, get by. Next, who do we have next? All right, Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk. So the Incredible Hulk's weakness is that what happens when he gets angry? Right, he, goes, he turns psycho, yeah, he goes crazy. When he gets angry, he turns into the Incredible Hulk. And when he becomes the Incredible Hulk, uh, he, does, he loses his consciousness. Like, he can't tell the difference between right or wrong, and then he gets mad, and he could kill innocent people. So you don't want to be around him. So the Incredible Hulk, he has this weakness. Although he's strong, he's not able to, to control his mind. Right? Uh, next. Okay, this is a hard one. The Green Lantern. Does anyone know his weakness? It's probably the lamest weakness. The Green Lantern's weakness is anything that's the color yellow. No joke. In, in the comic book series, if something, if he faces something that's yellow or some kind of metal that's yellow, it, it affects him. So uh, it's, it's kind of lame if you ask me. I don't think kids nowadays would, would really take to that. But uh, you could turn those off. That's good. Thank you. So all these superheroes, they all have this weakness. For some of them, it's physical. Some of them, it's psychological. Some of them, is, it's mental or, or some, some kind of object. But all these superheroes have this weakness. And it's not just that they have this weakness, 
but the weakness causes fear in their minds. It causes fear to the, to the, to the extent that, that it's hard for them to function. And they all run away from this weakness. Superman run away, runs away from, from kryptonite. And you know what? We all here, we all have weaknesses too. We all have a weakness of some sort that affects us and creates fear in our minds. So we try to run away from those things. And we all know our weakness well, so what we do is we try to hide them as best as we can. But you know, our weakness takes effect when it leads to fear in our minds. Our weakness takes effects and manifests itself, manifests itself when it leads to fear in our minds. You know what my weakness is? My weakness is ADD, attention deficit disorder. I'm not able to concentrate if my life depended on it. And it's so hard for me to get things done. And some of you might be here, be looking at me and be like, oh, Jeremy, no way, he doesn't have ADD. There's no way, it's, you know, it's impossible. You can't even tell. But, and, and sure, everyone has ADD to some extent. Everyone has ADD and trouble concentrating. But for me, it's like really severe. It's, it's hard for me to even read a piece of paper right now. Like right now, I'm conscientious about a hundred different things that are going on. Bill Thomas is making a face at me right now. <laughs> Tim's in the back. He's saying hi to me. The, the, the heating system's going on, and it's making this whistling no, noise that's really annoying. And, uh, and Josh has a weird laugh, too. So I, I'm, I'm conscientious of so many things that are going on simultaneously right now in this room. And I have a long history with this. Back in elementary school, it's easy, right? Elementary school is easy. You can get away with things because all you do is what? You learn about colors and shapes. So, um, and you have recess. So when you have recess, you ha- you're able to, to run around and blow off all that steam and, and, and you don't have to worry about things. But later on, as you get older, it, it was hard for me to deal with this because you know, you're faced with, with school and situations and even in a work or professional setting, when, when I worked at some companies before, I would be in a meeting and all these people would be here, it'd be like a CEO and a CFO and all these crazy people and they're asking me questions and I can't concentrate and, and, and I would freeze and I would be so afraid to, that I wouldn't be able to answer the questions and I would look stupid in front, of, in front of these people. And what makes it worse is that I'm not a lazy person. I'm driven, I have drive, I have passion, I want to keep moving forward. But, but it's hard because of the weakness that I have in my mind. So what I do, instead of running into my area of weakness, what I do is I avoid any task that requires a lot of concentration. I'll avoid anything and, and because I don't want to put myself in front of others. So my mind freezes. My, my worst fear is, is freezing in front of other people and looking stupid and failing others and, and disappointing others. It's kind of like when you're on your computer. What happens when you open up too many windows on your computer? You just keep opening so, so many of them. What, what happens? It freezes, right? If you don't have enough RAM, your memory, you know, your, your computer crashes. And the more often, as, as we get older, it's hard to hide these things in, in work and in our professional life. So instead of facing it, what I do is I go this other way. I try to run away from it as far as I can. And I just try to get away. And I go down this, when I face the, the issue, I go down this pathway in my mind of worry, anxiety, and fear. Worry, anxiety, and fear. Worry, anxiety, fear. Again and again and again. I face a situation and I go down that pathway in my mind. 
And I feel like oftentimes I'm bound in chains. It's kind of like being handcuffed in chains. And I have some chains here. I know Rob has a big one of these, but he works out a lot. So, so I, I, got, I, got the, I got the smaller size. So, um, so, yeah, so I feel like I'm bound in chains and worry, anxiety, and fear in my mind. And um, so I figured out a few short-term so- solutions to this. Uh, the short-term solution was for me to drink coffee, right? So anytime I faced, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to work on this big task. I immediately say, okay, let me, let me reach out for the coffee. It'll stimulate my mind and my brain for a few minutes, and I can get through this. But, but guess what happened during the fast, right? How many of you guys did the fast this, this past year? A lot of you did, right? So during the fast, when I was faced with a situation like that, I would just be reaching out to try to find some coffee, and the, there was nothing there to grab onto. It was just like herbal tea or, or red rooibos tea. Has anyone had that? It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's different. Rooibos or whatever, yeah. It's different. Um, yeah. And many of you here have been in the same place. Many of you here have also been in a situation where you had to come face to face with your greatest weakness and your greatest fear. It's a scary thought. It's like facing that monster that's in your closet. But you know what? We need to take control back of our minds. Right? Amen? We need to take control back of our minds. And the first step is to identify how our perceived weakness causes us fear. How our perceived weakness causes us fear. So what is the weakness in your mind? What is the weakness in your mind that leads to fear? Is it something that's a perceived disability? You have this perception that you are disabled in some way. Maybe it's a physical illness, or maybe it's uh, a physical, uh, something that you're not capable of, or, or a physical attribute. Or maybe it's a perceived inability to do something. Maybe you you feel like you have this inability to to do math or perform at work or do reading or, or have concentration. Maybe your weakness is public speaking. You're deathly afraid to to come up and speak or speak in front of other people. Or maybe your fear is insignificance. The fear that no one admires you, that you don't have any friends, that that no one would invite you to their party. Or you could have the fear of running out of resources. A lot of people have that fear, the fear that no matter how much money you have and how many supplies you have, you're going to run out of resources. When the blizzard comes, you're the first person to go into ShopRite and buy all the Twinkies so you have enough to last 25 years or longer. Or maybe you have the fear of overwhelming challenges. When you face overwhelming challenges, your, your mind just freezes and you don't know what to do. Something that's so big, maybe like you're facing a court settlement right now or some kind of complex issue at your workplace that's just so overwhelming. Or maybe all your tax stuff is a mess and you have problems with problems the IRS, you have no idea what to do. Or you have a custody battle or you're trying to raise a kid. Or it could be something so simple as, you know, had a busy day, all the kids are running around, you come home and you freak out because you don't know what to make for dinner tonight. 
Because it's that just complicated. The, the, the task is so overwhelming. Or maybe you have a fear of the worst case scenario. Any, does anyone have that? You always think the worst case scenario in everything. There's a snowstorm and you, you send your husband to the, uh, to the grocery store to pick up the bread, milk, and eggs because you want to make French toast for some reason. And you, and, and you send him to go and pick it up, then all of a sudden you're at home, you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? He's going to die, he's going to get in a car accident, and, he's gonna, and, he, and it's going to be all my fault. It's the worst case scenario. Or, do you have the fear of change? The fear of change. Maybe you've been used to doing something a certain way all your life, and you're comfortable with it. And then all of a sudden you have to change and try something new. Maybe there's someone in your life that's been telling you, hey, you need to change, you need to go to counseling, you need to go to therapy, you need to take care of these issues. But it's so hard to do something that's different because it's, it's so much not a part of who you are for so many years. Or maybe it's a new job or something different like that. You see, when we're faced with our fear, what happens is we get paralyzed. We get paralyzed and we can't move. And we retreat down that pathway in our mind. And we bind ourselves in our minds in this jail that we have created for ourselves. You see, when we go down that pathway, it's, it's a place that's well-treaded. It's a path that, that, that once had grass, but, but over time, as we, as we went down it more and more, the, the grass left and it, and it just became gravel. And after gravel, it turned into a paved road. And after paved road, it turned into a railroad track. Or when we're faced with our weakness, we go down the path of fear where we're bound up. And there are many of us here that have frequented that place, like me, so much so to the point where we say, you know what, this place of fear in our minds, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Maybe I'll try to make it look kind of homey. Maybe, maybe I'll hang up some pictures, I'll decorate I'll put some, uh, put some flowers in here. I'll hang up a chandelier and I'll, and I'll do all these things. And I'll throw out a rug. And it doesn't look too bad. I think it's okay. And what we do is we make our home in this place. And sometimes we, we look at the chains that we have around us. And we look, look at them and say, Hey, you know what? They don't look too bad. They're actually pretty nice. I could just add some bling to it. I can maybe I'll get a big clock and I'll hang it onto this over here. And uh, I'll, I'll add some diamonds and things like that. And we're like, wow, this is pretty nice. This looks great. And then this becomes, this becomes a norm for us. Prison becomes a norm. Orange becomes the new black. And then you say to yourself, you know what? Maybe this is it for me. I won't take risks. I have ADD, I can't concentrate. I, I won't take risks for the kingdom. Maybe this is my lot in life. If you're here today and you have this prison in your mind that you run to, I'm here to wake you up. I'm here to wake you up. I'm here to sound the alarm and just wake you up. 
and say, what the heck are you doing here? This place is not your home. This place in your mind is not your home. This is jail. This is prison. If I had a bucket of ice water, I would throw it on myself and on all you guys. So wake us all up. Because I love you too much to have you stay here. When we're mentally chained, it limits us. It limits our potential. It limits how we view God. It limits how we view others. It limits how God can use us and it limits our freedom. You and I have so much potential, have so many skills, so much gifting. But if we live in our fear, we will avoid opportunities for God to work in us. When we are chained mentally, you know what that's called? That's called a stronghold. Has anyone heard that before? Stronghold? When we're mentally chained in our minds, that's called a stronghold. Let's see what that is. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. I'll read it for you. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You may have everything going for you in your life. You may have money, you may have cars, you may have a career, you may have great house and all these things. But if you have a battle that's going on in your mind, you're not free. Where did this come from? Why is this here? What's the story behind this? Many of you have been in church and, you know, we've read the Bible all of our lives. But let me summarize the story of God in four parts, four easy parts. Number one, creation. God created the world and it was good and it was perfect and humanity was walking with God. Number two, the fall. Humanity fell to sin. And because of that, the enemy took control. And because of that, we have sin and disease and evil and all these strongholds and all these things in our mind. If we just look around the world, we can see that. Part three. You want to know part three? It begins with an R. Redemption. Redemption. Because God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to come and die for us so that we could live so that we could be forgiven, so that his presence of his spirit could live with us. Redemption. And number four, it's another R. Restoration. Right? Restoration. Now that we're following Jesus, we get to be a part of what he's doing here. We get to be a part of building his kingdom here on the earth. So part two of the four parts of the story. We live in a fallen world. There's an enemy that's alive and at work. And the enemy of your soul, he knows your weakness. He knows your wounds. He knows your minds and how it works. And he amplifies it. 
And there are many of you here, including myself, that have gotten so comfortable in our lives and have gotten so comfortable in our chains. How can we get out? How can we get out of these? Where do we find our strength from? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen? Amen. My power works best in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What does that mean? Paul says that that Christ's grace is all that we need. That his grace is sufficient. What is grace? Part three of the story, redemption. God loved the world that he came and, and, and Jesus died and forgave us and set us free of our sin so that we can live with him and so that we can experience the Spirit. That's something that's undeserved. That's grace. Paul said that's all we need is grace. The grace of Christ. The grace of Jesus. You see, God's divine power is manifest. God's divine power is manifest in the full scope in our human weakness. And the greater the acknowledgement of our weakness the more evident Christ's enabling strength in us can be seen. I'll say that again. The greater the acknowledgement of our weakness, the more evident Christ's enabling strength in us can be seen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see, it's a paradox Who knows what what a paradox is? It's something that two things that can't exist at the same time. It's a paradox. Paul says that that this ministry that he has is a paradox. How can you have both weakness and have power simultaneously? At the same time, it's impossible. How can you have power and weakness together? How does that work? Because Paul knows that his ministry is a reflection of Christ. And the cross. Anyone wearing a cross here today? On their, around their neck or a few people wearing the cross? If you look at the cross, the cross is the ultimate symbol of death, but at the same time, the ultimate symbol of Christ's power and victory over death. Amen? Death but power and victory over death. It's a paradox. That is our faith. So that's why Paul says that I'm glad to boast about my weakness. I'm glad to boast about my insults. I'm glad to boast about my hardships 
and my persecutions and my difficulties because it's not about the difficulties that we boast about, but it's because about the, the opportunity to have Christ's power become perfect and become alive in our weakness. Christ's power resides in us in our time of weakness. You see, Jesus' victory is the key to facing the weakness and fear in our life. Jesus' victory on the cross is the key to facing our weakness and our fear in our life. Find Christ's strength in your weakness. Find Christ's strength in your weakness. I'm here today because... I want you to identify, before you leave today, I want you to identify your greatest weakness that creates this place of fear in your mind. I want you to identify it, and I want you to face it today. Don't be afraid. It's like when you play football, you come to the line of scrimmage, and you stand and you face your opponent, and you look them in the eye. Some of you might say, it's scary, I don't want to do that, I don't want to look at this monster. I'd rather stay in prison in my chains. When I was a kid, I had a, a best friend named Jason. And Jason lived next door to me. And we were like the bicycle gang on our street, right? <laughs> so uh, me and Jason, we had these uh, Ross bikes. I don't know if they still have that, Ross bikes. So we had these Ross bikes. And what we'd do, we would drive around, you know, right around our block, and Jason, since he, he was uh, the more adventurous of, of us two, he had this great idea that we would drive down to the end of the block where all the big kids were playing, um, were playing baseball, and we would make fun of them. So this was like the greatest like, thrill. So this is like thrill, like, oh my gosh, we're going to do this. I can't believe it. <laughs> so, so we got on our bikes, and we raced down to the end of the block, and then all the big kids were there. They, they, were, they were playing baseball. Now, um, you do not want to make fun of big kids when they're in the middle of their game. So we would go down and, and make, fun, make fun of them. We'd make fun of the pitcher. We'd make fun of the, uh, the, uh, um, the batter and the people in the outfield. I think this might have been the town. Remember that, that uh, there was a movie out, The Sandlot or something? And then they would play. So, so everyone wanted to play baseball. So we would go out there and we would be making fun of them. I don't know why I did this, but we did this. And then about five to ten minutes into it, uh, we realized it wasn't, so, it wasn't a great idea because they all threw their bats and, 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 and mitts and everything to the ground and they got on their bikes and they had like big bikes and they started chasing us. <laughs> and I kid you not, I've never been more scared in my life. We jetted down the block as fast as we could. I literally felt like the adrenaline rush down my, 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 I don't know where it comes from, the pituitary gland or whatever gland it, it comes from, down my neck and into my spine and into my legs and, and, and they were just pumping and we, we were just moving and we were, we were going like, a, we felt like 100 miles an hour. We were scared to death. And I remember looking over to my friend, be like, hey, well, you know what? I, I think we, we've lived a good life. <laughs> it's been great knowing you as a friend. We lived to the ripe old age of six and a half. This is it for us. It was nice knowing you. Goodbye. 
So we thought that was the end. But somehow we raced back and, and we were able to get into uh, Jason's garage and Jason's house. We were like, oh my God, praise the Lord, we got in. So immediately we got in and we ran upstairs to uh, see uh, Jason's dad. And, uh, rem- and remind me, uh, to remind you guys, all, the, all these kids were on their bikes and they, they, came, they came to the, the driveway. So they were outside ready to uh, destroy us. <coughs> We went upstairs and told Jason's dad. Now, Jason's dad, Jeff, was the man's man. This guy was a man's man. He was literally the crossbreed between the Marlboro man and Clint Eastwood put into one. Like, their DNA was, like, spliced together. This guy was a man's man. Like, he smoked cigarettes. He had shotguns. He, he was a full deal. He was a, big, he was a big guy. He had squinted eyes and everything. So, this was the big deal. So we told him, and then he walked down the stairs and then walked outside. And I think he, and I, from what I remember, I think he was just wearing his underwear and, <laughs> and one of those uh, tank top white uh, undershirts, right? And he was smoking cigarettes. He walked outside. So as soon as he walked outside, guess what happened to all those kids? They scattered. They left. They left all their bikes. They ran away. They left. And we felt pretty good, right? We felt pretty good. We started walking around outside, so we felt good. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because when Jesus faces your fear, your enemies scatter. Amen? When Jesus faces your fear, your enemies scatter. Colossians 2, verse 15 You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over the cross. His victory over them on the cross. Find Christ's strength in your weakness. Find Christ's strength in your weakness. You see, when Jesus looks at your weakness, he isn't afraid of your fear. When Jesus looks at you, he isn't afraid of what you're going to face. Jesus isn't afraid of your boss. Jesus isn't afraid of your shaky job situation. Jesus isn't afraid of your coworker. Jesus isn't afraid of your unemployment. Jesus isn't afraid of your midterms or your finals. Jesus isn't afraid of the mistakes that you made in your life. Jesus isn't afraid that you can't get all the things done on your to-do list. Jesus isn't afraid that you can't raise a child. Jesus isn't afraid that your relationship and your marriage can't be fixed. Jesus isn't afraid of your bank account. Jesus isn't afraid of your legal troubles. Jesus isn't afraid of your speech impediment. Jesus isn't afraid of the names that people call you. Jesus isn't afraid of your disease. Jesus isn't afraid of your illness. Jesus is not afraid of your cancer. Jesus isn't afraid of the storm in your life. Jesus isn't afraid of your past sins or your future sins. Jesus isn't afraid of your worst enemy. Jesus isn't afraid of the enemy of your soul. And Jesus isn't afraid of your chains because through his power on the cross, he has broken the chains on your life and set you free. Amen? Amen. 
find Christ's strength in your weakness. You know, I don't care anymore about my weaknesses. I don't care anymore about my weaknesses in my mind or my lack of concentration or my ADD or, or any of these things. Because if I lived in my weakness, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be in ministry. I wouldn't be here preaching before you. I wouldn't be here taking risk for you and for my family and for my church and for the kingdom. I would have taken the easy road. But what kind of life would that have been? So I boast in my weakness because you know what? It's not about me or my abilities or my lack of abilities. I want the power of Christ to be alive in my life. Galatians 2.20 My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live in my strength or my, because my strength and my abilities and my talents and my resources, they're only going to take me this far my life. I choose to live in my weakness and allow Christ's power to be made known in me because by doing that, he multiplies my skills, he multiplies my resources, he multiplies my talents, he multiplies my brain capacity and my creativity so I can go the distance. You see, we can only go so far in our strength. Find Christ's strength in your weakness because God wants to use you God wants to use me to make his kingdom known so we can step out in faith, gaining new territory for his kingdom. Part four of the gospel story. Restoration. We're all a part of this. We're a part of this bigger story. Let's live in this together. Let's not live in these chains that we hold on to anymore. God wants to use you for his kingdom. What is that nudge that the Holy Spirit has been nudging you with? Is the Holy Spirit nudging you to go pray for someone and lay your hands on them to pray for healing, but you're afraid to do so because you don't know what's going to happen? Is the Spirit nudging you to take up a leadership role? Is the Spirit nudging you to go face some challenge in your life? Is the Spirit nudging you to face that relationship and have the hard conversation? Is the Spirit nudging you to go and get involved in someone's life despite the mess that they have? Is the Spirit nudging you to participate in MC against your fear because of your time commitment? Is the Spirit nudging you to maybe even talk to that new person that's here or that old person that's here in the room right now that you've never talked to or said hello to because you're afraid? Is the Spirit nudging you to talk to your neighbor, to help them, to invite them to MC, to, to connect with them? What is the Holy Spirit nudging you to do? Because in our weakness, we can do it in Christ. I'm going to invite uh, Josh and the band to, to come up and to get ready for the next song. Do you know where Superman found his strength from? Anyone know where, where he went to, to find his strength? Do we have a picture of that here? So Superman would go to the fortress of solitude and he would go there to gain some perspective and to, to find his strength. But do you know where I find my strength from? And hopefully all of you. 
Psalm, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my strength come from? My strength comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So what I do is I literally go to the hills. Do we have a picture of that? So I literally go to the hills, to Rampo Reservation. There's as much snow there right now as the Fortress of Solitude. So I go there to connect with God. I connect with God at my apartment too, but sometimes I just have to get out. I have to go there. And when I go there and I get alone, he shows me my chains that I'm wearing. But he also reminds me about his greatness, his goodness, his glory, and his grace. So I go there often. I go to that place often because I have to go there. And I give him my chains. And when I do, guess what he does? He breaks them. He breaks them. I go there to give him my chains often. And I find the strength to go further. You know, three years ago today, or around this month, when I first came to the plant, we did one of those, these fasts that we did. And uh, I went off for a few years around that time, I was taking medication for ADD. So I went off of that medication because it, it helped me function. And I was afraid to do that because I was so afraid that I wasn't going to be able to concentrate at work or in my ministry life or, or whatever the case is. And I would bring shame to my family and to, to others in my job. And, 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 and you know what Christ did? I, I gave that up and he healed me. He restored me. The power of Jesus. Where do you find your strength from? In the morning, late at night, do you take a walk? Because you will never find your strength on your own, but only in Christ. You see, God took Abraham, who couldn't have kids, and made him into the father of many nations. God took Moses, who couldn't speak, and had him deliver the Israelites from Egypt. God took David, who was a kid, and had him defeat who? Goliath. God took Peter, who was a fisherman, and had him launch the early church. And God took Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, and made him the greatest evangelist that the world has ever seen. And God's going to take us, the plant, here as a community, with all of our weakness, to make his kingdom come alive here in this town and in these surrounding communities. Amen? Find Christ's strength in your weakness. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to break some chains, all right? We're going to break some chains. We're going to sing a song called Break Every Chain. Some of you may know it. Some of you may have heard it. And as you sing that song, what I want you to do is I want you to picture in your mind, what are those chains that you've been carrying around? What is the weakness that you've had in your life that has caused fear? It's time to give them up. It's time to let them go to Jesus because his power can destroy them. Because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our life, in our town, in our church, in the universe. So I want you all to be singing this song and, and picture those chains and bring them up to the Lord. And when you've given them up, given them up I want you to stand up. Let's praise and worship the Lord together. Amen.